Welcome to the Global League of Women, also known as The Glow. We bring together the female voices who address critical issues, stories, and thoughts that affect every aspect of our livelihood, from business and health to politics and personal struggles. My name is Lisa Wang, founder and CEO of The Glow, and I believe that stories are the catalyst for change and storytellers the unsung heroes of our time. Change begins with women who have the courage to speak up and challenge the status quo. Are you a woman who's redefining the narrative? Join us. We need your voice. They say in life, who you choose to marry will disproportionately affect how your life turns out. Similarly, as an entrepreneur, who you choose to partner with will disproportionately affect the trajectory of your business. So what happens when your life partner is also your business partner? Today, we hear from Lisa Sky Hain, co-founder and CEO of Primary, a co-working space in New York City focused on wellness and mindfulness. An early employee of WeWork, Lisa partnered with her husband to create an environment that encourages people to feel their best while building their businesses. When things are great, they're great. But what happens when things go bad? Today, Lisa shares what it feels like to go through one of her roughest times as she simultaneously tries to salvage her startup and her marriage, all the while juggling two young children. In today's episode, we discuss the mindset required to keep pushing through the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur, but also the additional challenges as a female entrepreneur. And finally, how to embody the unwavering courage and resilience that all women must in the face of it all. Hi, everyone. My name is Lisa Wang, founder of The Glow, and I'm here today with Lisa Skyhane, who's the co-founder and CEO of Primary. I'm super excited to have you share your story today. I know how important it is for especially ambitious women who have careers and uh, to be able to hear from someone like you who has been so strong and has been successful um, in what she's done to actually share what's behind the scenes and the the real struggles, because it's um, it's really important that we all understand that we all go through the same things and it's OK. Sure. Well, and I think that really, I mean, my my journey, you know, over the last four years of launching primary has been incredibly eye opening to me you know, personally, it's been the most difficult four years of my life in particular, the last, you know, year and a half or two years, the business essentially ran out of money. Uh, A year ago, we are moving into another cash crunch time right now, uh, which I've heard also that once you start fundraising, you never stop fundraising. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I try to normalize things for myself and give myself internal pep talks. Um, But I I have two small children. I have a two and three-year-old they're a year and a half apart um, between launching a business, having two small children, expanding the business. It's really, I mean, it's wreaked havoc on my marriage in the last year mm-hmm. and a half. Um, Brian, who has worked with me, was a co-founder, uh, is now exiting the company mm-hmm. in an effort to salvage our marriage and continue to move in a, the right and sort of positive direct, direction for our relationship. And But it's been really hard. And I, I think that Every time that I hear another woman founder or CEO share 
the realness, the rawness, and and the the hard parts of life, it helps me to feel like it's okay mm. and that I'm perfectly on the path, you know, where I'm supposed yeah. to be. Yeah. Well, please share with us. Sure. So I brought um, my journal, one of one of a variety of journals that I have. And so I was going to just share here a little bit about an entry um, about my second son. He was just born a month prior. And so this is August 4th, 2017. It says exhausted. Last night was tough. Hawk didn't sleep more than a two and a half hour stretch. He was way fussier than Henry ever was. Mostly, he goes from zero to 60 so quickly, and it's unnerving. He pulls on my heartstrings, and I feel bad, but I can't console him. I know this too shall pass, thankfully. He's fussing off and on right now, and it is exhausting. And then I flash forward a month, and I'm uh, at home, and I said, starts, I'm feeling really, really low right now. Brian's in the next room bouncing the baby and watching a movie. He took the baby from me when I started crying and having a breakdown. He left me in the room by myself to cry alone. It feels so shitty. I imagine he sees himself as helping me. And really what I need right now is physical touch and attention not to be alone. I feel angry. I just punched a pillow a couple of times. What's under the anger, sadness, abandonment, and feeling ignored. When Brian shuts down and walks away, it triggers me. And I say and do things that I might regret. I revert to the wound of being left when he ignores me. The way we're arguing is not good and it's not healthy. And then a month later, October 17th, 2017, we had therapy on Monday for the first time. It was very good for us. No doubt we have more to work through, blocks, triggers, vulnerability, anger. I'm working at what is at the root of the anger and rage that I've been feeling. I realize I've actually felt anger for simply being the one in the relationship that's had to be physically traumatized and compromised. And now I have to work to get my body back and to fit into my clothes. We continue to trigger each other, Brian, especially around work topics. I feel Brian shuts down pretty quickly. And then it's hard to communicate and to see eye to eye and to create and to dream and envision what's possible. And so then one full year later, I didn't write in here for a year, October 17th, 2018, I can't sleep. I'm exhausted. Things are so intense at work right now. We need 500,000 to a million and a half like yesterday. Brian and I are having breakdowns regularly. We're both mentally fried, yet we, and definitely me, need to be confident and committed. And in this place where we're able to convince and inspire investors to invest with us ASAP, it feels really hard to be confident when I'm not feeling incredibly emotionally supported at home. Brian's been shutting down, unable to say things to lift me up, which leaves me needing to lift myself up, but also feeling angry and hurt and resentful and sad. I cried on the subway today. He sat next to me and didn't comfort me. The good news is that I have a ton of people around me who believe in me and what we're creating. I must keep focused on positive. What I know is that I am meant to do this. I have the persistence and the resourcefulness to make it happen. Just keep asking for money. It will happen. Note to self. Thank you for sharing. And the good news is that I did raise another two and a half million dollars mm-hmm. six months later. The bad news is that two months later, um, Brian, it kind of, you know, after f- four years, it came to a point at our holiday party where he drank too much and he essentially pushed himself on someone and kissed them. Mm-hmm. And um, it was basically reported to me the next day. And so as the CEO of the company, I had to 
and his wife make this quick decision about how to handle the situation. One of my employees was copied on the email. And so now I needed to share it also with her supervisor, which is my general manager. And I also shared it mm. with um, one of my advisors. So on a personal level, I'm feeling mortified that my husband's now made this terrible choice and is now on this side of the Me Too movement. Mm. Um, you know, And I said to myself, okay, CEO hat, we can't have someone that made a choice like this, you know, in a C-level role in the company. And we sought some counsel from you know, someone who was in HR at Deloitte. And essentially we made the choice for Brian to exit um, the company. Mm -hmm. And it was a really hard choice. Um, he came back to the company three months later um, to help us in a time of transition with our staff in need. But we are back to the same spot where, you know, we're saying he needs to leave the company. Yeah. Um, and that's what will be best for us, mm. which is number one, right? right? Taking care of myself. And um, it's so hard as a business owner to balance that, take care of yourself. Yet it's the ethos yeah. of my company. Yeah. So I have to do it. <laughs> and how did it feel even looking back at these journal entries and reading it out loud? That was really hard. I mean, it, it was really hard. And I think that the hardest part of it is knowing that that it's been so hard for so long. Mm. My number one strength when I take the strength finder type tests is positivity. And um, it always has been for years. I took, you know, test five years ago. I just took it again recently and it still stays at number one. And so I think that that's a big thing that helps to carry me through all of this, but it is hard. And I really see why people, women, um, especially because we carry so much with, you know, literally we carry <laughs> people inside yeah. of our bodies um, and then have to transition through that and hormones and the emotions. I can see why people burn out. I, I, it's the first time in my life I've had in my mind, oh, I feel, I feel burnt out. I feel anxiety. I feel stress. I feel like this is really hard. So it's the first time you've ever really acknowledged that. I, I, I think out, out, yes, out loud. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't walk around acknowledging this. You know, I, I'm the owner of the company. I, right. I think people look to me to be inspirational. They follow my lead literally, right? I'm the leader. So if I am leading from a place of negative energy, sadness, fear, I mean, how is that going to yeah. reflect in my business and in my team? Yeah. So one of the strengths that I always find entrepreneurs and female entrepreneurs have is this resilience and optimism because you can't survive without it. So when you first actually acknowledged it, that this is really hard and this stress, it's real, right? This anxiety is not just like, I can't just pretend it's not there. How did that affect you physically? When I acknowledged it? Yeah. Or even how, what kind of toll is it having on you? The last year and a half I've been saying has been incredibly challenging. I mean, to the point where at the beginning of this year, I started having, I've always had very regular menstrual cycles. Mm -hmm. And the beginning of this year, I started I, having extended menstrual cycles. So bleeding for many, many weeks mm -hmm. in a row. Um, and I went and saw two doc, different doctors for opinions in February. And then again, in, in May, 
I'm trying to, as I continue to get older, listen to my intuitive voice because my mom has always raised me to believe that we have all the answers we need within. It's very Oprah-esque yeah. and I've heard Oprah say that also and I love it. But you know, I, my intuition when this started happening to me was it's stress. It's just stress. Mm -hmm. And when I saw the doctors, they said, your uterus looks amazing, you know, like everything looks great. Yeah. And I said, I know I, it's stress. And, but they're, they're, they're Western doctors, you know, so they're saying, well, we got to do the tests and look and, but everything was fine. And so ironically, when I closed two and a half million dollars in funding this summer, my cycle went back to, mm. to normal. And so isn't that wild where all of a sudden I had this big relief of stress and my body literally responded. And yeah. so, you know, it does come back to the why of why I created my business in the first place mm -hmm. was to create a beautiful workspace where people can make their primary focus themselves. You know, we can, I'm like, thank God I have somewhere I can step out periodically to do a quick 15 minute meditation, to do a 30 minute meditation, go close my eyes, recenter, focus on positive mantras, being gentle with myself and saying, it's okay to beat up on myself to feel these negative thoughts, to feel the anxiety, yeah. to let it flow through me and, and let it go also. Yeah. Well, to the point of intuition, I think it's, it's something that I've been working through as well, because it's you, when you reflect back on the things that have happened to you, it's like, you always knew, right? You mm -hmm. always had a feeling, whether it was about that person or situation. Mm -hmm. And it was like, if only I had listened, right? To right. my body, to that that feeling, that intuitive voice inside. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's why probably you know journaling and meditation is so important, right? Because it taps you into that inner wisdom, mm. right? Yeah, yeah. And even and even your body, right? Like I've I've had in my entrepreneurial journey, there was a point where I had this huge rash on my face, and it was climbing up like scaly and red and angry and pulsating, and I realized that it had to do with uh, the people I was surrounding myself with, um, you know, the toxicity of the energy of a particular person. And it was, mm -hmm. I was working in such close quarters with that person. And the moment we split, it just started going away, but I had gone to wow. all the Western doctors, right. Dermatologists. And they're like, put on this cortisone cream. And it's, it, it's like that sort of prescription is tackling the symptom, not the underlying cause. Oh yeah. And that cause is always just, it, it's, it starts from within and that feeling of stress and anxiety and all of those things. Yeah. I have to, this is, I have to mention right now, one of my dear friends, longtime friends, cousin of my best friend, um, her name is Kelly Noonan Gores. She created a documentary that's now on Netflix called Heal, mm. H-E-A-L. And now there's a subsequent book and she interviews all of these sort of um, healers, scientists, Deepak Chopra, Marianne Williamson, medical mediums. And it is essentially about the power that we have within to heal ourselves by literally thinking positive thoughts, visualization. It's unbelievable the mm -hmm. power of the human body. Yeah, absolutely. Unbelievable. So yeah. when you had this experience with your husband, um, you had mentioned to me that you're you're in a process of forgiveness and therapy. Mm -hmm. So what, what went through your mind? Well, I, I mean, as soon as, as soon as I got the email recounting what had happened at our holiday party, my, my first reaction, well, was shock because I had always thought of my husband as this, you know, tried and trusted, always going to be faithful, you know, person. And I've been betrayed in that mm -hmm. moment. 
The second thought I had was one of incredible compassion because uh, there's a favorite saying that I have, which is don't judge others because they sin differently than you Mm. do. You know, and so, you know, we all, there's medicators in life. This is, you know, also been a part of my sort of personal development and therapy. And I mean, you can look at things like, you know, gambling and drugs and alcohol and sex and money and food. And, you know, there's all these addictions in the world exist and people make poor choices on a variety of levels in their, in their lives. And, and so everyone is unique in that sense. And so I had tremendous compassion for my husband because I knew that it was a, a choice that was made when he was incredibly intoxicated, which stinks, but it was a choice that he made because there's been such stress in our life, you know, in, in, in our business, in our marriage. And, and so I had tremendous compassion for him. And I mm. think that that's been a huge part of us being able to move through this year is, um, is having the compassion and the willingness to keep showing up to couples therapy, which we've been in. And, um, you know, you take it one day at a time, one day at a time. Yeah. That's all we have. Well, I, I want to commend you for that because I think it's even the, this wisdom around people do make poor choices, right? We are human. Mm-hmm. And that, that this idea of like everyone sins differently. I think it's very easy to judge others for, for the, the way that they sin, right? Mm-hmm. And then to forgive ourselves or to think that, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like holding yourself to the same standard that you'll hold someone else to, and but also being okay with, with those slips if you truly believe that yeah. you want to be with that person. My mom also always said, uh, you can see the, the wisdom that's come from my mother, mm-hmm. um, I love you, I don't love your choices. You know, and so I feel like that's a great distinction that you can have for friendships, you can have for relationships. I love you. I don't always love your choices. I don't love how you're treating me in this moment. I don't love Mm. this choice that you made. But the beauty of life is that it's a series of choices. You know, we move on and moment to moment, we get to make new choices, more empowered choices, uplifting choices. And so, you know, and and to that end within ourselves, when we're, when I'm in a rut, you know, I, I know I, I've, I'm getting every day, you know, I think stronger at when I literally, and I can so easily go down into this, God, you're a loser. How could you think you could, you know, run this big company? You're not fit to do it. You're a sham. It's a house of cards. And, you know, I mean, I have all of these thoughts that I hear other CEOs have also, you know, a friend of mine who is in a um, entrepreneur CEO support type um, group. And uh, he said, you know, the big secret of all CEOs is that we all think that we're like frauds and losers and don't know what we're doing. And, and, but that's, but we have to keep it a secret because we're the, we're the CEO. And so we have to keep the face. And so it's human nature, you know, and I think that the more that we can, we can humanize ourselves Mm -hmm. and say, be just because I'm up to big things in the world and I have a big vision doesn't mean that I don't have an inner child, that I don't have wounds from my current day relationships, my childhood relationships, that I'm able to still each day make the choice to work through and process through to continue to make new and better choices that will lead me to higher levels of success, you know, in my life. And I really think that one of the traits that separates truly incredible CEOs and leaders is this level of Mm self-awareness. And to say that, you know, we all go through traumatic events in our lives. We've all gone through loss, Mm -hmm. um, whether that's loss of a dream, loss of a 
relationship, loss of a parent, loss of a friendship, there's, you know, that's, I think, the one thing that we all experience is loss. And to get to a point where that trauma and that loss and baggage does not define you, right, in, in a negative way and continue to hurt you and so that you inflict pain on other people. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't hold you down, that it doesn't hold other people down. It's huge. Yeah. I, I love your using the words, you know, trauma and and loss. And then along with that comes grief, right? Mm. The the mourning of the loss of whatever it is. And I love that you're highlighting you know, that it could be a business. It could be a relationship. It could be a child. It could be, I mean, we, everyone experiences these different varying levels of loss and trauma. Yeah. And how do we deal with it? That's my uncle has a saying, or I think it might've even been Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> Life is uh 10% what happens and 90% how we respond. Yeah. It's huge. It's huge. And my, my experience with, um, when you were talking about feeling like you're a fraud, right, is that as I started becoming more successful in my career on the outside, right, the resume check boxes, and I actually had this feeling of getting further and further away from that external self. It was as I was getting bigger in terms of people's perception of me, mm-hmm. in comparison, I started feeling smaller. It was mm-hmm. like this gap was widening mm-hmm. and trying to figure out how to reconcile that was, um, was, was really one of the toughest journeys that I had to go through because it was like, I'm aware that this gulf is there, but I don't know how to close it. Sure. Well, and you say it's a journey that you had to go through, but that you have to go through, right? That yeah. you continue to go through because that's how life works is that we, we do a lot of work and we think, okay, I'm, I'm feeling better. And now maybe you even have a long, you know, flow period. And then all of a sudden there's an ebb. All of a sudden something happens, right? A a trigger. Someone says something business. All of a sudden there's a pivot that you weren't expecting um, that has to happen. And all of a sudden now you're in an ebb and you have to tap back into those tools that sort of helped you to narrow that gap that you're referring to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even with these challenges, right, I get questions often around how do I know when to keep pushing and when to just let it go. Right. Oh. And, um, I want to know the answer to that. <laughs> What's the answer? Yeah. And well, it, because there's also, when you keep, when you keep pushing, it's because of the sunk costs, right? You're like, I've put so much in here. And, and again, that goes to relationships that goes to business. You're like, and then there's the fear of, well, what if I don't find another idea, another person, another business that I feel as passionate about right. versus like, you know, this is just another, it's another dip. It's another trough that I'm just going to get through. And I always point it back to that intuitive voice. Uh, One of my best friends and I say, when in doubt, do nothing. You know, if you don't have to do something, if you don't, you know, my my husband betrayed me, but I love my husband. He's the Mm. love of my life. You know, we have two beautiful children. I don't want to be without him. I don't want to not have this relationship. And so there's no need. I don't have to do yeah. something, leave the relationship, say something. I can just be with my feelings of sadness, yeah. you know, and disappointment. And um, well, to that point, you said, you know, right. You know, yeah. you want to be in that relationship. And I think that in mm. and of itself mm. is, is a, that intuitive part of you. It's like, you see all this stuff that's happening around you, but at your core, you know, you want to be yeah. in it. Yeah. And trust that, trust that inner voice is the wisdom here. Yeah. 
I do agree. Optimism is key. Yeah. <laughs> I have a meme, I think on my Insta feed that says optimism is key. Yeah. And a mentor that said that to me too. Keeping, keeping space for mm. what is possible is yeah. huge. I talk about existing in the space of possibility. And I think that's, that's also why a lot of things have come my way, you know, in spite of challenges is I joke that like, I always exist in like, what if, mm-hmm. like, what if we could do this? And what if we could do that? And so there's always too many things going on, but yeah. I think that's, that's what it's like to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. My, my unsolicited uh, tips I, I shared <laughs> with you before the camera was rolling. I, I uh, joke with women sometimes now these days. And I say, if you want to make having babies seem easy, launch a massive company at the same time, <laughs> because the babies will seem much easier. It's there's still work and they are work. And, so, and yeah. therefore my other you know, two cents is wait as long as you can to have children because it, it, it does absolutely change mm-hmm. everything. The most amazing way because you've, I mean, they are my greatest creations. I cannot believe still that I made two perfect little people, you know, but then the job becomes keeping them alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so that in and of itself is another yeah. job. And um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's a welcome to welcome to real life. You know, yeah. this is hashtag real talk. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that actually this topic in and of itself is really important to to women who are really ambitious in their careers and do want to build companies or build their dreams mm-hmm. is what made you decide to have children like at the point at which you did? Well, I'm 42 now. And so I had them at 38 and 40. And mm-hmm. I actually was in a previous relationship where speaking of intuition, I called off an engagement after three years of being together, right as I was about to turn 35. And I thought, oh my God, I'm going to mm-hmm. be single and 35 in New York City. And when am I ever going to find someone? And when am I going to be able to have children? And but I had this inner intuition that as much as I really liked the person and I just had this voice as soon as we got engaged that said, this isn't the right person to go the distance with. And so I listened to that, called off the engagement. I ended up being single for two years and then meeting the love of my life matched on Tinder, by the way. <laughs> I always like to mention that for the single ladies yeah. out there. You never know. <laughs> Optimism is key, <laughs> even with Tinder. Um, and so... Um, you know, uh, then I, you know, found Brian and, and we, I was 36, he was 34. I mean, I think mm-hmm. the choice to have children, it was pretty clear right away. We both knew that we, you know, they say when you love someone so much, you want to make more of them. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, even in the beginning, we moved very quickly. We moved in after five weeks. We got engaged wow. after five months. We got married five months after that. We just had our five-year anniversary you know, we were saying babies, you know, he would say, he would look at me instead of saying, I love you. And he would say babies. <laughs> and I would say, I love you too. Let's get married first yeah. and then we'll have babies. And, and I got pregnant on our, on our honeymoon. Wow. So yeah. And by the way, feels like the right forum for this. I feel like this is a lot of sharing here mm-hmm. today. I don't know what parts you'll, you'll keep and take out. You'll choose. But when I got pregnant, I miscarried um, mm-hmm. a month or two later. I got pregnant again right after that. You know, mm-hmm. I feel incredibly fortunate because I, I had no problems getting pregnant. Right. Um, but I did miscarry. And then I had, you know, pregnant again right away, had a healthy baby. After I had Henry, my first, um, I, I didn't have my cycle for five months. Then when I got my cycle and I got pregnant again right away and then miscarried again and then pregnant again a few mm. months after that. And so I always yeah. feel like it's important to mention the miscarriages because yeah. it's not something that's spoken about very often, but miscarriages are very normal, have to happen early on, almost sometimes occur like a missed cycle, missed cycle. Mm. Um, you know, and, and so I, I just 
feel like it's important to continue to normalize that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and break the stereotypes around what it means about, mm-hmm. you know, women can be very self-conscious and, and feel incredibly responsible. Obviously, we're creating human life. Um, and so the idea that we wouldn't create a perfect human, I liked to think of it as my body's natural way of saying, you know what, that wouldn't have been the perfect baby. Let's move on. And let's now, here's the, here's the right baby, you know, mm-hmm. that's coming to you. Unfortunately, I, I have two very healthy you know, yeah. little boys. So. And what was that um, experience like when you had your miscarriages, like just even emotionally? I mean, the first, the first time, again, it was, it was a little more uh, visually traumatizing. Um, I was in, in the shower and I mean, it was, it was pretty intense, but my body was pretty strong and I passed everything normally and quickly. Um, but but again, coming back to what I just mentioned here, the responsibility feeling, mm-hmm. I, I felt incredibly responsible. And I, I definitely had the thoughts like, oh, what does this mean? Am I not going to be able to make a healthy baby? Am I too old? I was 38, you know, am I going to have problems um, with this? And and I did a little, I try not to go down the Dr. Google path too mm-hmm. much or, you know, because it can, you can get scary. You can read as much as you want about positive scenarios and as much as you want about negative scenarios, that's the internet for you. Um, but I tried to just, you know, find the positive and the positive that I did find, uh, is that this is very normal. Again, your body's healthy way of saying this wouldn't have been a viable pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Um, and they say that when you miscarry that you're actually most fertile at that time, um, right afterwards, because your body is just said, Oh yeah, look, I can get pregnant. And so now keep trying is Mm -hmm. the point, you know, don't shut your body down stay open, try to get pregnant. And more often than not, women get pregnant again right away, right Mm. after a miscarriage. And that was the case, you know, with me both times. Yeah. Um, So I felt, you know, some level of responsibility and, and fear, but I just, you know, stayed, stayed focused, stayed, stayed the path. Okay. We're going to try again. And, um, and it happened fortunately. And did you ever feel pressure to get married sooner, have kids sooner and just, you know, with the, whether it was your parents or yourself or society, you know? I mean, I always, my mom was 30 when she had me. My grandma was 30 when she had my mom. So I always wanted to be 30, but Mm. 30 came and went. And I said, well, I haven't met the right guy. So (laughs) my mom, fortunately, has never pressured me. My brother doesn't want to have kids. So it was definitely going to be on me to have um, children. But my mom always has just wanted us to be happy. You know, she said, "I I want you to be happy. I want you to be with someone who treats you well, takes care of you, values you. Um, and, and, you know, and hopefully babies come from that, you know, but so for me, it was really about being with the right person. And, um, yeah, I, again, I I was 38 and 40 when I had my babies and as on a good day, there's maybe 10% chance that I'll want to have another one as crazy (laughs) as that sounds. (laughs) Uh, There's a a funny meme I saw that says, you know, me hanging on by a a thread. Also me, should I have a third baby? (laughs) (laughs) And I do, you'll, you'll see if you have children yourself one day, it's like, they're so cute. And there's something about making people (laughs) that makes you say, maybe I should have, Mm. maybe I should have more, you know, they're pretty, they're pretty amazing. So I'm probably going to stay with two. (laughs) Stay tuned. (laughs) Yeah. It's, um, it's incredible that your mom said that because I, I think we underestimate how much the desire of our parents, um, can have Mm. on us. Mm. So even my own personal experience, I've, I've always felt that pressure, you know, coming from a Chinese family and um, having my parents give up so much to make me successful, to help me have that support system. Mm -hmm. And I only recently um, 
had a conversation with my mom where I went through something just a, a bit difficult, you know, boys. Um, and she gave me her blessing that if relationships weren't making me happy, that I didn't have to get married. I didn't have to, you know, do that. And it was exactly, it was just this huge burden. And I didn't realize how much I needed that blessing Mm, to say, you know, be happy. That's the first thing. Mm. And whatever is going to make you happy, you know, do that. But Mm. if you you think about freezing your eggs, because, you know, maybe one day you do want to have kids, Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, I didn't realize how much of that narrative was still, I was still succumbing to, like, I need to find someone in order to feel whole. And having that release gave me the permission to say, no, I don't need that. You know, it's, if I find the right relationship and partner, then that would be an amazing thing. Yeah. Did you ask your mom that question or how did that get revealed? (laughs) Well, so I was, um, I was, crying to her because of, uh, I called her on the phone. It was a Monday and I'd just gone through something and no one else was picking up my call. So, you know, I called my mom and she picked up and she's like, what's wrong. And, and, and I just, I was just, you know, I I was trying to be okay. And then I started crying and I said, like, every time I'm in a relationship, I'm just, I'm less happy. I end up making myself smaller Mm. Um, I end up not going after my dreams as hard and it's, it's a subconscious thing. Mm. It just happens. And I think it's as in every relationship, you have to sacrifice time, right? You have to, you have to, if you want to build something. And I feel like I'm in that point in my career where I just turned 31 and Mm. I really, I really want to make the impact that I feel like I can make, you know, with my, uh, with my voice, with uh, my company. And I feel such a draw towards this mission of empowering women and mm-hmm. um, building that confidence and that innate power that we already have. And and I just said, you know, I'm looking at this trend of my relationships and I just, I'm just not as happy. And I, and I feel this constant pressure to find someone, but I don't think it's coming from the right place. And I think she just heard the frustration and pain and in my voice. Mm -hmm. And I probably hadn't expressed that emotion in such a way before Mm -hmm. until, until that moment. And there was something relieving in being able to realize that there was maybe a pressure from your parents that maybe you had fabricated in your mind that didn't really exist. And it's almost as though the inner child in you was relieved when your mom said to you, you don't have to find someone right now. Yeah. You know, it could be never, it could be in the future right now, yeah. focus on you and being happy with you. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I want that message to go out to more uh, girls, to more women, because I think this mm-hmm. idea of you can't be whole until you find that person who mm. wants you and is going to give you the ring and mm. tell you, you have value. Mm. Um, because I know so many successful, independent women, Mm -hmm. you know, just in New York alone Mm -hmm. who feel like something's missing and feel insecure when they're single. Yeah. And I just, I think we just need to change that narrative. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. Again, I could talk a long time about that too. (laughs) Journey of personal development. Absolutely. Yeah. I thought, okay, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not meant to have children. Maybe I'm not meant to get married and I was single for another two years before I met, you know, Brian, but, and then when it happens, it happens again, ebb and flow. When it's, I think about turning in and saying, okay, am I in the flow or, you know, and if not, 
can I make a change? Maybe it's a literal change. Maybe it's a mental change to then be able to get myself back into a state of feeling in the flow. Yeah. You know, you, you get, you get, you get it, you know, when you're in the flow or when you're not in the flow, Yeah. you know, and then, so you have the power. I think we have the power to, to move ourselves back to flow. Yeah. So going forward where, you know, what, what's next for you? What are some of the Mm -hmm. continued struggles and things that you're trying to work through? Sure. Well, so my vision, um, fortunately with the help of sort of some advisors and mentors, I, I want to have a million square feet in New York city. You know, I would love to have 10, hundred thousand square foot locations. Um, maybe that will happen with primary. Maybe it will be me working with another brand. Maybe there'll be a joint venture or partnership. I don't know what the future is, is going to hold, but, um, I want to be with the right partners. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm in conversations with potential financial partners, investment partners, um, even other co-operator, you know, partners, I'm in the process of raising a small round now, but still keeping my sights set on, on closing a larger series A, you know, next year. But for me, you know, when I was with WeWork back in 2010, it was an eye-opening moment for me where I said, oh, this is what I want to do. You know, I love creating community. I love bringing people together. I love finding out who are you? What do you do? What did you do before you're doing this? Who do you want to meet? How could I help connect you? And that's what it is at the the fabric of, you know, co-working communities is all these different types of business professionals that come together under one roof. And so for me, I, I've found the, the, the industry that I want to, to work in for a long time to come. And whether that means, you know, staying with and growing my own, which I, I hope I will have the opportunity to do. Um, but I have to trust trust the process mm-hmm. and trust the flow, you know? Yeah. So I'm just keeping up with having a lot of high level conversations with a lot of very well connected and funded people um, within the industry. And, and, you know, and, and to some extent uh, for me, what is, is continuing to, to surrender and trust the process. I think that's yeah. really the space that I'm in because you know, my best friend and I say we create schedules to create the illusion that we know what's going to happen mm-hmm. in five yeah. minutes. <laughs> I know where I'm going, you know, after yeah. I leave here, but we don't know. We don't know what phone call is going to come in, you know, what's what's going to happen next. You know, I'm, I mean, I, I got a phone call in 2004 that there had been an accident and my father didn't survive. Mm-hmm. You know, that was that was a, a major pivotal moment in my life. You know, he was on a soul searching trip in Australia and hit and killed by a drunk driver on wow. Valentine's day, 2004, wow. doing something he loved in one of the most beautiful places on the planet. But it was a phone call that you know changed my whole life. I spent a lot of the next year at 26 years old down in Florida, handling his estate. He had a 25 person urban planning company. Um, I inherited responsibility on behalf of my younger brother and I, it was, it was a really, really, really hard time, the hardest time of my whole Mm -hmm. life, you know, I mean, really challenging. Um, but, but, you know, that, that phone call changed my whole life. You know, my, my life was one way a phone call happened and my life has been another way, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, there've been benefits that have come from that. It, It forced me into a deep, deep, um, dive into a soul search of what's most important for me and what do I value in life? Who do I want to be in life? Um, you know, life is precious and it can be gone just like that. And I'm, I'm from my own experience, very aware of that in my choices day to day. Yeah. You know, I choose, I choose happiness most days. I allow sadness and yeah. grief and, and that, but, but there's so much to be, to be thankful for, you know, yeah. and I try to keep, sites of that. Even when my credit card has been declined because, you know, we're, 
in a time of hand to mouth and, you know, scaling the business, you know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's still been stressors like that. So yeah, yeah. Well, Op- optimism is key. I mean, I love that you just even said that you're choosing happiness, but you allow sadness. And mm. I mean, just hearing your story today, you've, you've been so strong, right? You've, you've gone through so much and you continue to go through so much as we all do. But I, I feel like you are a, you know, you're a beacon of strength and hope and optimism and uh, really an inspiration for, I think, so many female entrepreneurs and hopefully more so after they've heard all these stories. So thank you again so much for sharing yourself. And my last question for you is, what does it mean to you to be a woman? To be a woman? Yes. Mm. The first thing that came into my mind was to be soft (laughs) <laughs> um, and the irony of that coming from me is because I'm an, I am an alpha female. Yeah. I, am, I am an Aries with Sagittarius rising. I am double fire. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, and I, and I tend to be masculine in most areas of my life in my career and my friendships, my family taking responsibility. Um, but in my, in my personal relationships, um, and with my my romantic relationship with my husband, you know, I really I choose to be feminine. And so to be a woman is to to recognize my strengths, to recognize where I can be soft and to be an inspiration for other women. For me, that's what being a woman is. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Her Voice. At The Glow, we believe that her voice matters. We're redefining the cultural narrative one voice at a time. If you have a story or a struggle that you want to share, head over to theglow.org. I'm here for you to listen, to guide, or just to hold space. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love your support with a review on the iTunes store. Take a screenshot and share your favorite quote on Instagram or Twitter at glowvoices. And you can find me at Lisa Wang Wins. Never forget, your voice matters.